Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, here. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Well, we have two very, really exciting guests here. They have some projects that are just amazing. You know, one is an author. The other one is a producer-writer, and she is the a widow of a very famous comedic legend. I'll tell you more about her shortly. Well, if you've got something to do at home, you just want to stay home. Maybe, you know, we can venture out as we know, but maybe you just want to stay home and, and get some laughter. And if that is the case, we have some information from our first guest here. Her name is Jennifer Pryor, and she is the widow of the late great comedy legend Richard Pryor. Yes. Well, Richard has a just-released DVD box set from the people at Time Life. You know, Time Life does it better than anyone when it comes to uh, box collections of DVDs or music or whatever. They, they just know how to do it. They know how to do it. So right now, the Ultimate Richard Pryor Collection just released is 13 DVD videos with 26 hours of all kinds of laughter. I mean, how can you not laugh? It's Richard Pryor. Come on. Uh, you know, I was such a big fan of Richard's. Um, he is just, again, a legend. Clearly, one of the most influential comedians of all times. And uh, he and Paul Mooney together, they just created so much comedy magic. Love both of them. So, I, as again, I'm going to chat with Jennifer Pryor, Jennifer Lee Pryor. And she, uh, in her own right, a very distinguished writer, producer, has worked in pro- on projects on her own. Plus, she, uh, before Richard passed away, uh, they worked on different projects for him as well. So now, working with Time Life, uh, I know this has been a real treat for her. So we'll get more details and talk with her uh about this just in just what a couple of seconds here now so if you want to get more details go to timelife.com forward slash Richard Pryor and you can get all the details the orders if you love comedy please make this DVD box set a part of your collection it's part of mine Yes, it is. So, okay, we have uh, Green Lights Blinking. We have Jennifer Lewis Pryor on board. And let's talk to her about the life of Richard Pryor, her now deceased husband, and just a a great comedy legend. So let's bring Jennifer on uh, right now. Janice. Janice, Jennifer Pryor here. Well, good afternoon, Jennifer. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm absolutely fabulous. I have been just rearing and waiting to chat with you. Okay. Uh, well, let's do it. Yeah, let's get going right this very minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, of course we... Ask me anything. Okay. <laughs> now, that's a good good start right there. <laughs> Ask you anything. <laughs> well, of course, Jennifer, your husband, the late, great, the legendary Richard Pryor... You know, if people did not, if you don't like Richard Pryor's, I don't know if I trust you. That's just well, yeah. It's it's like whoever said it. uh, If you don't have a drink with me, I don't trust you. It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Richard is really a litmus test, isn't he? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. And and now, thanks to the great time life, um, just released the ultimate Richard Pryor collection. Uncensored. Yeah. How did this, thank God it's out. How did this project all come about? Did they come to you or you guys kind of met each other in the middle or what? 
Well, they reached out because they had previously done a box set uh, with Rob, on Robin Williams, and uh, they met with, with, with such an embracing uh, audience and, and wonderful uh, result with that box set. They thought, well, hey, you know, if Robin can do it, Richard can do it. And uh, so they reached out to me. And I kind of hemmed and hawed for about a year. I was working on something else. And finally I said, you know, I, I think I'd like to, to go down this road with you guys. They're a wonderful group of people, just terrific to work with, endlessly patient, helpful, um, love Richard, you know, which is, you know, again, you got to love the man if you're going to embark on a project like this. And, um, and, and they just – did all the right things. They not only said all the right things, they did all the right things. And uh, I just, they were a dream to work with. And it, and I, I'm just so proud of this uh, box set. I think it's beautiful. It really is. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. It is absolutely beautiful. And, of course, Time Life, they are just the masters at doing these yeah. types of projects. I wish I Quite had. Right. I wish I had every one they've ever released on everybody. They're just that good, of course. Yeah, no, they 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 know what they're doing. It's it's. I mean, it's their wheelhouse. You know, mm -hmm. they absolutely. Um, they they just know how to put it all together. They know what to go for, and um, yeah, they they they're they're just they're they're pros at this. Yeah. Now, how hands on were you uh, in your involvement with putting this collection together? Well, I was very hands-on, you know. I mean, my credit is that of executive producer, uh, but in um, uh, many ways I was producing. For instance, there are th there are three fresh uh, videos in here that, are, that I actually produce that are new content. And um, those are – hang on a second. I'll give you the actual title. So Last Stand Up, Sitting Down, okay. which um, when I returned to Richard – uh, in 1994, 95, he wanted to go back to the comedy store. Now, at this juncture, he was sick. He had MS, uh, and he was obviously not who he had been. He was not the fierce, energetic panther stalking the stage as he used to be, as he once was, as we all knew him to be. And uh, But it, that didn't deter him. He wanted to be back at the store enjoying the camaraderie, um, with other comedians and the audience, and uh, he wanted to be on stage. So he sat on a stool, and he uh, and I filmed it. Uh, I had it filmed, and this is what that 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 DVD is. And um, I, I, it's just very moving. Somebody said, "Well, you know, he's not the same." I said, "Yeah." Neither are you. Yeah. <laughs> Neither are any of us, right? Exactly. Um, and and but you know, so they said, well, it's kind of you know, it's he's. And I said, wait a minute, okay, I hear where you're going with this, but it was actually a very famous comic who came up to me and said this. I said, you know what, Richard is. This is heroic. It, yes, it's tragic in one sense because he's he's sick and he's got MS. But he's heroic by by and how brave to get on stage, not hide, and still do comedy. And he was still very very funny, very very funny. So that that's one of the the um, the DVDs I produced. The other one that I'm very excited about was um, Richard Pryor loved on the Sunset Strip when it was a party for Richard, being honored by the American Cinematheque. And we filmed that as well. So you've got certain comics up there uh, talking about Richard, uh, some of whom are hilarious, most of whom are hilarious. Um, and, you know, it's just, again, um, these that are very fresh that, that nobody's seen before that I really, you know, think are quite special. No, and there's also – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, please, go ahead. There's also uh, another CD on here of, 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 of um, a piece of a film that Richard shot in 1968 that's, it, that has really gained mythic proportion because the, it was missing. But we have, I have found the elements and have been putting it together, and it's called Bon Appetit or the Legend of Uncle Tom's Fairy Tales, oh. and it's about black people putting white people on trial. Oh, goodness. Oh, <laughs> yeah, goodness. as only Richard, you know, Richard could think to do. Oh, um, so, yeah, so it's very, you know, he, he was prescient. He really was ahead of his time, Richard. 
he was in many ways so, yeah so far ahead of his time and yeah. uh, you know as a as a kid i was forbidden to listen to anything <laughs> of richard Pryor, and and i just couldn't wait until my parents left and you know the rest i knew every album every syllable <laughs> That's very funny. Yes, yes. Well, Timber, tell me about, I understand that there is a collector's booklet that's a part of this um, project. So tell me about that. Oh, this was great fun putting together, yes. Um, you know, they asked me about memorabilia and what did I have that was special. And, um, well, I have a list of routines that he wrote in his own hand, um, you know, the titles of routines, of his comedic routines. And I have pictures uh, from my private collection. And um, I have the gun that he shot the car with, so we photographed that along with the police uh, docket <laughs> report. Uh, and and uh, just very personal uh, items that uh, fans will absolutely love to get their hands on. And, and it tells a story in itself. Uh, the play that he was in, Rumpelstiltskin, I have a copy of that play. Uh, and, you know, that's photographed. And it, it really, you know, tells a story about Richard's life in, in, in pictures and memorabilia. And it's a, it's a great, it's a great booklet. And again, very, you know, for collectors, they will, they will love this. One of the, uh, many, many, uh, video footages that I have enjoyed of Richard's over the years is when he was doing uh, the, the roast, hosting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he and Paul Mooney, <laughs> these two were just incredible together, of course. Yeah, the NBC Variety Show, I think you're referring oh, yeah. to, and uh, yeah, and and that was, a, that was an amazing um, period of time that Richard I mean, that they were even able to get on television mm -hmm. with that, on network TV, um, you know, in 1977. And, of course, that's included here. And, um, you know, that's that's just some genius uh, pieces uh, that he wrote uh, with Paul and, and other writers as well, other very, you know, of, of Richard's, you know, Richard's coterie that he was hanging with and writing with. And, um, I mean, he, he really... Um, you know that that show, Richard Pryor show, original air date was uh, well, it was 1977, September 1977, and um, you know there are. Let me see how many shows are there. There, I think there are one, two, at least four shows, um, four four DVDs, and um, it's it's brilliant. Some of the most brilliant comedy ever, and again, way before his time. Mm -hmm. The fact that, and of course, you know, they started censoring him, and he refused to do it any longer. Yeah, that that there's no way you can censor that kind of talent, and you just can't. No, 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 no. You can't. You can't censor Richard Pryor. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> although, although many tried. Yeah, they tried. He's like forget. Oh yeah, they tried. Many tried. Many failed. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you recall the very? very first time that you heard or saw his comedy oh gosh yes i you know i met richard and worked for richard before i really was completely aware of who richard was richard Pryor, the comedian and um you know after he he had that episode with the police he shot the car he was arrested he divorced um um, Deborah, the woman to whom he was married a very short amount of time. We started dating, and uh, one night we were at Sammy Davis's house uh, off Benedict Canyon and had a very nice time and, and left there, and we're going up Coldwater Canyon, and he says, uh, he did a U-turn. We were driving a little red Mercedes sports that he loved, sports car, and I said, where are we going? He goes, you're going to see. Well, the next thing I know, we're traveling down Sunset Boulevard, pull into the comedy store. He gets out, takes me by the hand, and we go into the store. I'd never been there. And he sat, sat me down at a table, and he got on stage, just like that, walked on stage, and, and started talking about the first thing that he saw, candle wax on the floor. And that 
and I started taking notes, you know, just kind of very organically, spontaneously, turned over the bar menu on the table and started taking notes. And I had never seen him before on stage. I'd never seen him as a comic. And, of course, I fell in love with him again because one of the hallmarks of his genius was his vulnerability. So he got, gets up there with no net, just starts talking, and these and these gems and his mind starts going and, and the magic starts happening, and uh, he, he was unbelievable. I could not believe what I was watching and hearing. At the end of the night, of course, who went home, Mitzi Shore was thrilled that Richard was back on stage, and uh, she was the proprietor, owner of the comedy store. Mm-hmm. The next morning, we went over these notes, and uh, he said, well, come to the store. Let's go to the store every night. That was our summer, May 1978, uh, through the entire summer, and he was, he was doing what's called woodshedding, and he was putting together his, his comedy act. At the end of this several weeks, he had live in concert, and we filmed that in February 78. I'm sorry, uh, February, when did we film that? Hang on now. We're May, we're, we're summer 78. We've, uh, December, December 78, we filmed it, okay. and that came out in February 79, and it was just a huge success. It was a big crossover hit, too, and um, so that was that was quite an experience I had. I also, you know, uh, um, a couple of routines were inspired by our relationship. If you listen to that um, concert, which, you know, is on the, included in this box set. And uh, it was what a great time. What a great time. And, and to watch him work and to see his creative process, to experience that. What do you think is maybe one of the biggest misconceptions that the public had about Richard? Well, that he didn't, uh, that, that he was always on, that he didn't know what peace was, which he did. One of Richard's favorite spot in the world was Hanamaui, and it was the most quiet, elegant place I've ever been to. When I first went there with Richard, no strobe lights, I mean the opposite of Honolulu. You know, no strobe lights, no big, no noises, no parties. Richard really appreciated the peace and tranquility. And I don't think people understand that, you know, the uh, the flip side of this wonderful, uh, energetic um, panther on stage, brilliant comedian, was this quiet and 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 peace that he craved. Uh, and you know, I I don't think people understand that. And uh, you know, Richard needed that to recharge his batteries. He he really required that peace. And I don't think, you know, I don't think people can appreciate that. That's good to hear, though. To, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people, you know, I think that's just the nature of fans, so they, whether it's an, an athlete or a comedian. Yeah, quite, quite right. Yeah, they just think they're, oh, he, Tom Brady is always throwing touchdowns. Well, you know, he's in, yeah, exactly. you know, he's in Kroger yeah. right now. Come on. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Also, the other thing is people don't don't realize how disciplined Richard was when he was putting together a concert film. Oh, really? Um, you know, oh, very disciplined. He, You know, they think that he was on cocaine 24-7, mm-hmm. you know, because he talks about it a lot. But, uh, you know, Richard did his, his drugs, obviously, but certainly not 24-7. And, and, and he was disciplined when he was putting an act together or working on a movie. You know, he'd nap in the afternoon, and, and you know, we'd go off to the store in the evening. And although there'd be some partying going on, it was never out of control. It was up. He always had, when he knew he had, was on a mission to complete and do a job, a, a piece of work, a piece of art, he was, it was very, that was his priority. What are some of the things did he talk to you about that he wanted to accomplish? I mean, he was so, so well accomplished, you know, as far as accolades and all that. But were there other projects that he confided in you that he would like to see done before he, you know, his time was up on the earth or, or what? Well, I think that, you know, Richard loved being on stage doing his comedy more than anything. I mean, he loved making movies, but it was really um, comedy that was his his forte. That was his his dream. He just wanted to continue doing that. That was really his, you know, 
his dream was to continue. That's why when I came back and he was sick, he didn't stop. You know, take me back to the store. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said, how could you let him do it? I'm like, wait a minute. Nobody lets Richard do anything or, or keeps him from doing anything. If he, is, if he wants to do something, that's it. And he very much wanted to be back on stage doing his comedy. And he was still funny as hell. Yeah. So, you know, I would say that was probably his preeminent wish was to do, um, you know, I remember, yeah, he had certain films that were, were, were dream movies that, that didn't get made, but um, I think uh, I think the most important thing in Richard's career and his, art, his artistry were the concert films. And he did them so well. He was so natural. Was it, weren't they the best? The I mean, best. really. Thank God we have them. Thank God yes. we have them. That's exactly yeah. right. Well, now, um, will we ever see projects such as maybe a, um, a Richard Pryor musical on Broadway or in Vegas where, where we are, or uh, a Richard Pryor uh, film, some very talented Well, actor? yeah, we, we are working on a biopic. We're working on the script now. Okay. And, you know, that's been a long, arduous process. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, were, there were a couple of people involved previously that had fallen out. You wonder sometimes, how does a movie get made? Um, but there, this is a difficult film because there's so much material. You could actually make three different films about Richard. You know, his, his youth, his, his becoming Richard Pryor when he was at Berkeley, and then his older years. I mean, there's so much material. But we are chipping away and chiseling out a script now, so hopefully that will see the big screen not too, in the not-too-distant future. Is it too early to say any particular actors who, you know, might be cast and, you know, young Richard, older Richard, student Richard, or, or is it too early to say? Yeah, no, it, it, we've got some people in mind, but it's much too early to say, okay. for sure, anybody, for sure. Anybody we know or some newcomers? Um, probably names you, you would recognize, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Listen, when we cast it and the news is out there, you can call me and we can do another interview. <laughs> I would love that, absolutely yeah. love that. Well, let me ask you this last question here. What was Richard Pryor, the husband, like? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, let me tell you, you don't ask Richard Pryor to take out the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No, no, you're not going to put him in that, that, you're not going to pigeonhole this man into uh, the stereotypic role of a husband, that's for sure. Uh, It was a a rough and wild ride, I can tell you that. The second time around was more peaceful. You know, Uh the cocaine was gone, the the big paychecks had slowed. So, you know, we we had a real time to experience a a more mature love the second time around because we were married twice, as you know. Um, So, uh, yeah, you you don't marry Richard Pryor hoping for the white picket fence. No, I can't can't see that at all. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What? I I so wish they would have had the opportunity to meet him. It's just... uh, He would have adored him. I'm sure he would have adored you. Yeah, he he just was a, a charming, complicated... But very touching man, very vulnerable and just so open and easy to talk to, easy to connect with. That's why he's got such a varied audience. His mm-hmm. uh, his people who love him are from A to Z and, you know, it doesn't matter the race or what. Um, and sometimes even racists loved him. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'd come up to him and say, you know, you made me look at something different, Richard Pryor, you know. And um, I, you know, which is which is really awesome. I mean, that that is a, a lasting legacy there. I remember many years ago, the first time I interviewed Sandra Bernhardt, and she was just almost in tears. Not to say tears, she was just yeah. her 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 humility was just so meek, and as she was saying how grateful that she was for Richard giving her her first real big break back on the old Richard Pryor show. And 
That's right. Yeah. That's right. And she was lovely. And she's Mm -hmm. got her own podcast now. She's doing great. I love Sandra. I knew her back in the day when she was a manicurist. Oh, my goodness. You're kidding. No, no. She was struggling, and she was struggling to put it together. And, you know, the fact that Richard gave her a break was just terrific because she's so enormously talented. She is. I used to love talking to her. She was always such a delight to chat with. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so cool. Well, Richard, I mean, he just touched so many people, inspired so many comedians to, to become comedians. and so. Yes, that's right. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know you are working and promoting, of course, the Ultimate Richard Pryor Collection, Uncensored, um, and, and the films and, and such uh, about his biopic. So anything else that you maybe are doing personally with your own personal career or, or what? Well, I'm writing a sequel to my memoir. I, I had written a memoir years ago and published it called Turnished Angel, and I'm writing a sequel about my, my time coming back into Richard's life and what that was like and um, the experiences I've had since. And um, so, you know, that's kind of, that's its own adventure, too. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that's, that's got a lot going on. But there are other uh, projects in the, in the works, too. You know, we're working on an adult animation series based on some Richard Pryor characters. Um, so, you know, the beat goes on. Richard, Richard's going to live on a long, long time. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, that's going to be funny. Adult animation based on some of Richard's previous characters. Oh, yeah. goodness gracious. Yes. Oh, I can just I can just see some of that. I can just see some yeah. of that. I just yeah. immediately thought about the, the exorcist scene and when your woman leaves you. It is just so oh, right, <laughs> right, right. Well, his uh, Mudbone is uh, one of his premier yes. characters, too. Yeah. Mudbone. Yeah. Yes. Mudbone. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Well, how soon do you think we can see that coming out? As soon as I can finish it. I'm, I'm working on it now, and I've got a wonderful team I'm working with. And, uh, you know, again, when, 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 it's, when we get a date, I will reach out and we can do another interview. Please do. Yes. You know, I'm right across the street, literally over here in Vegas. And so I would just I know you are. Love I, I will keep your information and reach out to you. Oh, please do. I would just love to have you come back on and we can go for part two and then three and four. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Well, again, Jennifer, thank you so much. The Again, it's the Ultimate Richard Pryor Collection Uncensored from Time Life. Uh, what is this, 13 um, disc collector set? Yes, okay. yes, and, and with a booklet inside. With yes, booklet. absolutely. And thank you so much for talking, Janice, with me, and um, I really appreciate your time. And um Let's do it again. Yes, we will. I will hold you to it if you hold me to it. How about that? I absolutely will. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Have a great week. Well, rest of the weekend. Thank you. You too. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Okay, we are back with more of the show. Thank you so much, Jennifer, uh, for just giving us some behind-the-scenes uh, information about uh, the late, great Richard Pryor. And again, that website is timelife.com forward slash Mark Richard Pryor. That's it. And so we roll on to our next guest here. So attention, if you are a fan of the blockbuster hit show, Grey's Anatomy, this is for you. Yes. Well, you know, the show premiered, uh, what, 15, 16 years ago, and it has remained uh, one of ABC's most beloved dramas on television. Oh, my goodness. It is just a blockbuster. Just another legend here. And because of the popularity of the show, 
author Lynette Rice has released a brand new book, and uh, you got to get this book if you're a fan of the show. Uh, first, we'll tell you that Lynette Rice is a very well-respected uh, entertainment journalist um, for more than 25 years. Uh, she is currently the editor-at-large at Entertainment Weekly, and she has um, this new book. It's called How to Save a Life. The Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy. Yes, it offers a, a totally unauthorized but very well researched, very enthusiastic type of a book about everything about Grey's Anatomy, from its very humble beginnings to a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, information about various episodes that you love so much, uh, some of the controversial character departures, um, and also information on some of the real-life plot storylines. Yeah, this show is still racking up more than 8 million-plus viewers a week. So, yeah, it's still doing it. It's uh, I've been handed a note. It's after 17 seasons. The new season uh, started, uh, when did it start? September, yeah, started last month. And, again, if you are a fan of Grey's Anatomy, this is the book for you, How to Save a Life, The Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy by entertainment journalist and editor reporter Lynette Rice. So let's bring Lynette on. Let's talk about this book. Let's just get some of the juicy details. Don't want to get all of it because we want to get the book. So if you know someone who is a fan of the show, thinking about we're beginning baby stages of the holiday season, maybe it's a birthday coming up, or maybe just get the book for someone that you know really loves Grey's Anatomy. This is the book for them and for you as well. So green light blinking, blinking, let's bring Lynette on now to tell us more about the making of her book. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, I tell you, it is such a pleasure to chat with you, your book, uh, is just amazing. <laughs> the inside story of Grey's Anatomy. Well, we, we've all been waiting for this one. Oh, thank you so much. Well, uh, I'll just jump right in here. Um, it's hard to believe that this show has been on. How many seasons is it now, officially? Oh, my God, they're about to start in a week, the 18th season. Oh, my God. Crazy. Now, have you... It's crazy. It is really crazy. Now, of course, we know that you are a very well-established entertainment industry reporter for Entertainment Weekly and so many other accolades. So have you covered the show or been a fan of the show from season one, or did you come on board later as a fan? I've covered the show uh, on and off for many years while I've been at EW. I've been at EW for 20 years but I'm also what I like to call an originalist. I was there from the very beginning. I was one of the millions of women who discovered the show and fell in love with McDreamy. What can I say? Okay. I was I was one of those gals. <laughs> and so was I. I mean, if, if, there, if, you're a, if you're a woman and you didn't fall in love with McDreamy, then I don't know if I trust you. I just don't. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now... What do you think, what is it about this show that has lasted and has still has such enduring qualities about it? Well, it's funny because medical shows are a staple of television, just like cop shows from Dick Wolf. They'll always be there. They'll be there long after we die. Uh, the difference with this medical show is that uh, it, it, went into the randy lives of these young, beautiful interns who end up hooking up with each other because who else are they going to hook up with? They're at work all the time. And it had a serialized nature to that. So while fans could definitely enjoy the the cool, you know, medical procedure of the week in the operating room, they could still get invested and who's going to hook up with whom, who's going to break whose heart on the show. That serialized nature is really what kept the women coming back. Was this show originally, was this a hard sell for Shonda Rhimes or what? 
Well, when the, the show was originally developed, ABC already had Desperate Housewives and lost two big behemoth shows. So expectations were low on Grey's Anatomy, also because Shonda was an untested talent. She was a, a USC film grad. Grad. She had some credits, uh, like Princess Diaries 2, but she hadn't created a TV show before. So it usually happens in cases like this. You know, television will bring in experienced exec producers i.e. men, to be there to help her out. They brought in Peter Horton, a former actor on 30-something who became like a producer-director. I mean, a man by the name of Jim Perriott, who was kind of like a non-writing exec producer who kept the train on the tracks. But what was brilliant about Shonda is that she commanded respect in that writer's room from day one. She had a very specific idea of what she wanted of this show, and nothing, no one could change her mind. And, oh, my goodness, what a legacy she has now established uh, all over television. Even without the other hits, just Grey's Anatomy itself is just enough, you know, by itself. Well, now, tell me, why is it that Ellen Pompeo deserves to be the highest paid woman in television? Uh, if you think back, if you're if you're like a student of television, there are many cases, many cases of male actors who left a TV show early because they thought they were going to go on to be a big film star, and and you know they didn't live to tell about it very well. I mean they they didn't succeed. Ellen, you know, first of all, the show is based on her character. There is no show without Meredith Grey. It's Grey's Anatomy, uh, uh, but at the same time, you know. Ellen had to contend with the fact that as the star, there was so much scrutiny of, of her. And I remember in the early years, uh, you know, Ellen is already a slight woman. And I remember she looked particularly small on the show. So all of a sudden there were all these headlines about, is she setting a good example for all the young women who watch the show? I mean, a woman to have to deal with that they weren't even paying attention to her work. They were paying attention to her body. I mean, it was so sexist at the moment. And But she's also really embraced the fact that she's aged in front of her audience, and that's made her even more relatable to the fans. She knows the power that she wields as n- being number one on the call sheet. She will decide whether this show goes yet another season. ABC would love it to go forever. But, um, you know, she, she she decides. And that decision impacts hundreds of people. The show uh, employs hundreds of people. She also wisely knows that once Grey's Anatomy is over, her career won't be necessarily the same. It won't matter because she'll be as rich as God. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, it, she she knows to ride this to the sunset. So for that, she's been very smart. Very smart. I mean, yeah, richer than God, richer than all of it. Money that we can't, we can't even ever imagine. We cannot. Richer than Fort Knox, all, all of it. All of it. <laughs> well, now, when you were putting the book, the book together, did you interview any of the cast members or Shonda or or, or what? So, uh, when the book first came out, uh, it's kind of a funny story in that um, when I was writing the proposal, uh, uh, my fear was that it was very recappy because everything that I put into that proposal, I felt like you know people had heard before, so I threw in a bunch of like rumors that had been swirling about the show because the show is just is always surrounded by rumors. And as I was writing it, I actually, you know, said to my agent, I said, you know, will this proposal leak? He said, oh, no, no, that never happens in publishing. Well, sure enough, it did leak. It did leak to Shondaland. It did leak to ABC. And their immediate fear was that this was going to be some sort of a tell-all. And Shonda immediately made it clear that she didn't want to participate, you know, thus the the description, unauthorized uh, biography. I was okay with that 
because I had interviewed her many times, and one of the things that I make clear in the book, she's kind of a tough nut to crack for the longest time. I always felt like, okay, maybe she doesn't like me. She's also very shy. She, it took her a while to even figure out the art of the tease on how to tease her show. She, and I, Sometimes I feel like all reporters, we didn't feel like she just wanted to do press. I don't think she felt like, why do I, why do they want me to give away what's happening on the show? Um, so the, the fun part about this book was casting a wider net and talking about pe- talking to people on the show who especially no longer have a dog in a the fight. They're not on the show. They're, they're, they're not employed um, by Shonda Land. And, and these are also unsung heroes that never really got their day in the sun and who have stories to tell. Um, there's no, you know, no one like, uh, it, it, there's not like, you know, access to grind for people. They just, you know, remember things differently than what we always reported. They really gave give an idea of what life was like behind the scenes on this behemoth hit. Okay. And finally, will fans ever, ever get over the death of Dr. McDreamy? Ever? One of my favorite quotes in the book was from a writer on the show. His name is Tony Phelan, and he was talking about how whenever they would do a scene between Meredith and McDreamy, Derek, Patrick Dempsey, the camera would go back and forth. But in this one particular scene, Shonda wanted to keep the camera on Patrick Dempsey, and Tony's like, why do you want to do that? And and Shonda said, I want that woman in Iowa to feel like McDreamy is talking specifically to her so she can, she can fantasize this is her dream man. Oh. So because of that, because of what she created, we all fell in love with him along with Meredith. He became our fantasy man that, you know, no one could live up to, not even our husbands. And so because of that, we don't want to believe that there's anything wrong with this Patrick Dempsey, the actor. We want to believe that Patrick Dempsey is McDreamy, vice versa, like all the same person. We don't want to believe that maybe he got tired of being on the show. So, no. And, and to answer your question, no. We'll never get over it. Well, we we can always dream about him in, in the syndications, so. Yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's such a cool show. Yes. I'm going to be so so hurt once it ends. I know the fun can't go on forever, or maybe it can. Saturday Night Live is still on, so who knows? We'll see. Right. But anyway, right. The, the book again is How to Save a Life, the inside story of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, Lynette, you have made a lot of fans very happy uh, with your new book, so thank you for writing it. We really appreciate this one. Oh, thanks so much. I hope folks like it. Oh, yeah. I've already... Believe me, I have like three fans who already have the book, and they love it. Trust me. We love it. We love oh, it. <laughs> hot dog. <laughs> okay. Well, we will see you uh, on the pages, of course, of Entertainment Weekly and maybe your next book. Do you know a new book next year or something from you? I got something in mind. Still got to sell it. I hope it works out. But, uh, spoiler alert, it has to do with another TV show. Oh, I hope it's SVU. I hope it's Law and Order SVU. I just hope it is. That's all I'll say to that. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, anyway, you have a great weekend, and uh, we will, as I said, see you on the pages of Entertainment Weekly. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. back with more of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, and as promised, I have auditions. You want to hear these auditions, starting with audition number one. Now, for those of you who are subscribers of HBO Max, the streaming network, I'm sure you're very familiar with the hit show Legendary. Well, guess what? Legendary is now casting for their new season. And if you have not seen Legendary, if you are a subscriber of HBO Max, uh, 
quickly tell you, Legendary is all about uh, people, very talented people who are exploring the world of ball culture. Now, this HBO Max streaming series premiered uh, last year, last May, I believe it was, and it has become a runaway hit. Uh, and again, more details here. The series follows LGBT house members as they make their way through the various colorful balls. And at stake is winning house, winning the house ball. And you get cash, you get prizes, and the grand prize is $100,000. My goodness, that's, yeah. So, the show has been praised by so many top entertainment publications and media outlets, uh, just all kinds of accolades, just really cool. But as I said, they are looking for new people for the new season, and they are casting right this minute. So it's, you know, again, it's all about the very colorful, very talented underground ballroom community from voguing teams, which they call houses, uh, and they compete uh, in dance challenges and showcase their fashions and their very, you know, very colorful, talented style for uh, fashions and for hair and makeup and dancing and all of that. So if that is you, or maybe you know of someone who that is their lifestyle and they, they're really, you know, deep into it and very good at it, because you need to be good because there's serious money here. What you need to do is go to this website legendary.castingcrane.com legendary.castingcrane.com and at that website you will find all of the details on what you need to do, how you need to do it, what they're looking for. But again, HBO's Max, HBO Max network, streaming network, their legendary the TV show is casting for new people for the new season right now. So go over there, legendary dot castingcrane.com and read it all off do whatever it says that you need to do and you might get selected and you might win that hundred thousand dollars and if you live here in vegas you can go and maybe double your money at the casinos or something okay well now that's uh let's get to our second audition if you are a barbecue master yeah I mean, as far as the grilling, the barbecuing, and the building. Do you know how to build your own barbecue grill, your own barbecue pit? Well, guess what? There is a new competition television series on a major network, and they are looking for people. They're casting people, uh, single uh, individuals, as well as duos who can build and barbecue. You can build your grill, build your pit. And, you know, some people can take like an old garbage can or something and just freak it out, just build a pit from it. So if you're one of those kinds of people that you can do that and you can also barbecue, BBQ, this show is for you. That's right. So it can be you by yourself again, or it can be your grilling partner. And they're calling it partner in swine. That's kind of cute. I think it's cute. So anyway, this is a major award-winning television production company and a major cable television network. They have partnered together, and they're looking for barbecue, BBQ people who can eat it, cook it, and build it. That's you, inventors, all of that. But you, you also need to be able to throw down and be a pit master as well. So if this is, a, again, a competition show, and if that is you, what you need to do is uh, email your, your first and last name, your age, your contact telephone number, the city and state where you live, and a brief bio about you and your love of grilling and building and barbecuing and how you smoke it and, you know, do all that, make it do what it do. Uh, when it comes to barbecue, was not trying to rhyme. It just kind of came out that way. And also, just tell them why you would be a good candidate and a good contestant for this particular show. And you need to send a picture of yourself. And if you've already built your, your barbecue grill, send a picture of that. How do you do it? How, you know, hey, this was a once a beer can, and I took the beer can, and I built a whole pit. 
and we just grill a whole cow or whatever it is that you do, how you've done it. Take a picture of it. And, and, and also they want pictures of any barbecue uh, plates and dishes that you've created, some ribs or links or chicken or whatever it is you've queued. So send that. The pictures, your name, first and last name, age, uh, your phone number, city and state, where you live, because this is a nationwide uh, search. And just a brief bio about yourself and how you do what you do in the queuing and all that. And email it to this email address, bbqtvcasting at gmail.com. That's it. BB, like barbecue, bbqtvcasting at gmail.com. And hopefully you might get selected and you might be a part of this new reality television show that they are creating as we speak. So, again, do all of this, all of these these auditions, do them as soon as possible, as soon as you collect the information that they need and send it all in. I think we're out of time. I don't have time for audition number three. I'll see. If I do at the end of the show, I'll bring it to you. Uh, we have to get to it because our guest is awaiting us. Uh, when we come back, yes, when we come back, we will be talking to the winner, the 2021 winner of American Ninja Warrior, Caden Lesbeck. And uh, I understand he will be on board in about 60 seconds. So we'll be right back after this. Hello, it's Janice. Hi, Janice. It's me, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Lisa. I'm just fantastic. Good. Are you ready to speak with Caden? Yes, I am ready. Just reading okay, about hold on. him. Okay. Okay, hold on. Okay, sure. All right, Caden, you're on the line with Janice. Awesome. Hi, Janice. Hi, Caden. And should I say congratulations, Caden? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't even have to ask. What Now that the world knows that you are the official winner, what's, been, what's your life been like within the last 24 hours? Um, it's been crazy. A lot of people saying congratulations. It's, it's awesome. I'm glad it aired. Now that I can finally talk about it, it <laughs> I'm still mind blown. I still can't believe it. What, now, I know, as everyone knows, uh, these shows are pre-recorded, sometimes weeks, days, sometimes months in advance. Uh, so what was it like watching yourself competing? Because I can, I mean, the way you were buzzing through all those stages, I know it was just probably surreal. But to go back and actually watch yourself, what was that like? To go back and finally get to watch it, it was, it was crazy. It was like it was happening in that moment. I was getting nervous watching myself compete, even though I knew it happened. It was, it's crazy. Still mind blown. And so how difficult was it for you to keep it a secret to family and friends and Facebook, I mean, I think it was in, uh, Instagram and TikTok people and all that? It was definitely really hard, like, just talking to my friends. I couldn't say anything. It was definitely weird. Did anybody get suspicious? Um, I would assume a few people got suspicious. Uh. I tried my best not to tell anyone. Well, now that the world knows that you are the official winner, uh, now are there going to be any uh, parties or celebrations planned for you among the Wolfpack or any other fans or what? Um, We had our watch party yesterday, which a bunch of my friends and family came, and we all got to watch the episode together, which was really special. Okay, and so you made history. I mean, you're only 15, but you just ran through it like you run through a car wash or something. It was amazing. So of the four stages, which one was did you find the, just the most challenging? Um, the most challenging for me was definitely stage four. I definitely need to work on my rope climbing technique, and I was gassed. I was so tired after I got done with it. I just wanted a nap. Oh, I don't blame you. I would still be napping. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, 75 foot rope climb, and you have to do, yeah. what is it, 30 seconds? 30 seconds, yep. 30 seconds, okay. Yeah, so you guys do not get to rehearse or practice pre any of these obstacles, right? Yeah, nope. It's first time, it's what you get. Oh, my goodness. So, you would, you know, 
you were fourth, fourth on the uh, leaderboard after stage one. Um, mm-hmm. So is that when you started really seriously planning your strategy, or when did you really start planning a specific strategy? Which stage, or was all was it all four stages? Um, even before qualifying, I was planning my strategy for the courses. I took every course run as seriously seriously as I could, and I just wanted to give it my best. Now, with stage two, oh, that was crazy. But it seems like the the fallen shelves, I don't know where they come up with these wild obstacles, but it, <laughs> the fallen shelves were, were just knocking people out like a bowling ball yeah. and bowling pins. So when you saw that, it was knocking people out. What I mean, did you freeze? Did you say, "Let me re," uh, as they the car says, "recalibrate"? Uh, what did you think after looking at that? Um, luckily, I got to run pretty late, so I got to watch most of the people, and I kind of figured out what they were doing wrong, and they were just getting a too big of a swing, I think. And so, as soon as I got there, I just realized and kind of calmed myself before I got to it. Took a few baby swings, and then just through and luckily it worked out so when other the other competitors that come before you and if they get if they hit the splash and they don't make it through do they I mean, is there camaraderie to say man look you, you might want to re, you know do this do that I mean, are, are you guys allowed to do that with among each other or what oh definitely I think that's one of the best parts about Ninja Warrior is the community mm-hmm. everyone is so supportive of each other and everyone wants everyone else to do well and it's just such a good community it i've been watching the shows i think since season one and i just absolutely love it uh i was looking at i think it's your twitter page one of your social media uh pages and i saw you and um megan martin and you look like you were 10 but uh so (laughs) obviously you probably were quite young you're still young so um Congratulations, parties, celebrations uh, among that group, Megan, Flip, Joe Morowski, all those guys, or what? Um, yeah, I've known Megan for a while. She's a good friend. It's it's super cool growing up and watching everyone like, compete, and now that I'm finally on the stage and getting to compete alongside them is crazy. It, like I'm still mind-blown. They're all just so supportive. It's crazy. Well, you are one of those people now, Kaden. You are one of the gang. Oh, that is so awesome. That is just so awesome. So, okay, how, how old were you when you first started saying, that's what I want to do? Well, how old were you? I was, when I first found the show, I was probably like eight or nine. I started training for it when I was 10, and as soon as I started, I just fell in love. It was so cool. It's like a big playground, and you don't even realize that you're getting a workout in. Yeah, a Ninja Warrior and uh, – I just better call the whole name – American Ninja Warrior and Parkour, those are two sports I, – oh, I, I can just be a spectator. I'm a good, dedicated spectator. <laughs> I just can't do it. So – what when you first start? I mean, you're eight, nine, ten years old. What what are some of the first obstacles that you started on? Um, I think one of the first obstacles I did was the warp wall, just because I saw it on TV, and as soon as I saw one in person, it was crazy. It was like living it, basically. Yeah, the wall is it's, it never goes away. It only gets bigger and taller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every season it gets crazier um so yeah. okay, so now that you you know you're the champion you got some money going on yay for the bucks um what are you going to do now i mean you're going to rest for the rest of the year or you you plan on coming back for next season or what's going to happen with you i have definitely upped my training just to come back conquer stage four it's a big goal of mine and yeah i'm definitely going to keep competing and hopefully come back stronger so when you look back on uh 
stage four, I mean, what do you think you're going to do different? Or, or any of the other three stages, what are some things that you're going to tweak and that you want to work on? For stage four, I've definitely been working on my rope climbing technique. Hopefully get my feet in and do it more controlled and hopefully just be able to make it there. And what about the other three? I know they're going to change, of course, the obstacles, but uh, any of if those that you, you're going to work a little bit more on or you saw some some slack there or what? I'm definitely just going to keep up my training, hopefully do the same stuff that I did preparing for this time, train even harder, and do more late-night training with Jake. That was a good help for this past season. So when you say late-night training, what time do you guys start? At midnight or something? Um, we usually start around... 10 or 11 and go till like 4 or 5 a.m. Oh, my goodness. That's like Dracula training or something. My goodness. <laughs> Kaden, that's rough. And so, well, what's been, I mean, I've, everyone has had, you know, the the crazy school schedule because of uh, the pandemic, of course. But uh, what's your school, what's everybody been saying to you? I'm actually online school than I have been before COVID just because I can, it's easier to go train and go compete at nationwide competitions. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of like makes sense, I think. Definitely. Yeah. With the kind of work you're doing and such. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. When people want to follow you and say congratulations and check up on you to say hello. Uh, let's hear those social media, you know, handles. And yeah, my Instagram is Caden Wake, no spaces or anything. And I have a Facebook, but I don't know how Facebook works. Yeah, keep and it that My way. YouTube, I think, is Caden Lovesack. Okay. And that's the best way to follow you, find you. Yep. yep. Okay. That's real good. That's real good. Well, you're obviously very busy. You don't probably have too much time for a lot of social media. Do you uh, do TikTok and all of that? I do not have TikTok. Me either. I just just can't <laughs> find the time for it. Uh, tell everybody right. how did how did you get the your 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 name your nickname? Um, yeah, that's an interesting. Story. I don't. Yeah. Um. I actually used to wakeboard competitively. And my wakeboard coach gave me the nickname Super K. Ah, okay. And that's definitely working for you quite well here. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) It's definitely working for you. So now when does training start for you for the new season? I'm already training for the next season. Oh, Caden. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) We just found out last night, but you've known for a while the outcome. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, As soon as I got back from Vegas, I was ready to train. I was ready to train. Okay, that's good. So, uh, hey, we're based in Vegas. We'll see you next season. Uh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling you will be there. You just broke all these records, and you were just jumping and running. Like, you were like super cadenced. Go from... I just, you know, I had to roll it back myself. I was like, how fast this little guy is going? That's amazing. <laughs> so, last question here. Do you have, um, or, or have you had time to think about, you know, future plans that we're talking too far ahead? Do you want to go into any other kind of sports or athletics or what for you? Um, I want to stay a ninja for at least as long as my body will let me. I want to start coaching, and I want to improve my business bucket of chalk, which is selling chalk to all kinds of ninjas. It's growing the ninja community, as I like to think. It is. The ninja community is huge. Um, I just didn't realize the wolf pack had – I remember back forever ago, uh, people talking about, yes, I'm a member of the wolf pack – and now it's like this huge, you got your own zip code or something. Just amazing. Just totally amazing how you guys have grown and such. But anyway, Kate, and I say congratulations all over again. <laughs> and um, midnight training, that's different. I'll think about you yeah. at midnight. 
located in <laughs> yeah, somewhere training. Crazy. Well, we hope to see you um, next. When does the next season start? I don't even know what month it is, but I'll look over um, that. I don't think that's been announced yet. It has been? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll be I on the lookout. I don't think it's announced yet. Okay. Well, we'll be on the lookout for it. And since we are here in Vegas, we'll just be waiting for you at the at the finish line, you and the, and, and the rest <laughs> of your fellow competitors there. So, Katie, thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to chat with you after seeing you just glide through all the obstacles like it's nothing. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Well, you have a great weekend, and we'll hopefully talk to you next season. Yeah, thank you for your time. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Janet. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, we are so out of time uh, for this week's show. want to thank all three of my guests. Of course, please support our guests with their television shows, their books, their music, their films, or whatever it is that they are coming on our show to promote. And we know that you love the guests because we read your emails. So make sure you email us info at filmfestivalradio.com and we'll be more than happy to say hello back to you as well. All right, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening as always and we'll see you promise to see you on the next edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Have a great rest of the day and rest of the week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.